Welcome and thank you for tuning in. I'm Jan Robinson, Registrar and Chief Executive Officer at the College of Veterinarians of Ontario. The College recognizes that veterinarians have a substantial role in the future of global health care, and not just as it pertains to animal health. The College is very proud to be a proponent of One Health Stewardship and to support public health initiatives within veterinary medicine. A key pillar of the College's strategic plan is championing One Health initiatives through veterinary leadership. It is often poorly understood, more generally, that veterinarians are key defenders against disease, certainly in animals and also in humans. It's an interesting area for discussion and I am really pleased to be joined today by Dr. Melanie Barham, Network Coordinator for the Ontario Animal Health Network. Welcome, Melanie. Thanks, Jan. I'm really pleased to be there. Be here. The World Health Organization suggests that about 75% of the new diseases that have affected humans over the past decade originated from an animal or from an animal product. While doctors have known this for quite some time, this is a really astounding number to the general public. As examples, West Nile virus moved from birds to mosquitoes to people. SARS, sudden acute respiratory syndrome, may have come from a breed of wild cat in China. The first AIDS cases may have been transferred from chimpanzees. Even measles may have been transmitted from animals many, many years ago. These are all diseases we're very familiar with in human health. The connection between animal health and human health is most obvious in developing countries where animals are central to everyday activities and food production. However, zoonotic diseases, those diseases that are passed from animals to humans, are a worldwide health hazard. And here in Ontario, we're not immune to the spread of zoonotic disease. Diligent disease surveillance in animals is important to safeguarding animal health and also human health and food safety. Veterinarians play an important role in identifying newer emerging diseases and hazards that present risks to the health and safety of animals and the public. There are diseases such as rabies as one example that veterinarians are required by legislation to report to the local medical officer of health. However, it's also important to be attentive to patterns and trends and this leads us to the surveillance work undertaken by the Ontario Animal Health Network. Melanie, can you tell our listeners about the Ontario Animal Health Work, or in its more colloquial form, OHAN, and how the network functions? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'll give a little bit of history about the program. In 2013, the province of Ontario was looking for a slightly different way to attack the problem of disease surveillance and animal health and welfare issues. They recognized that Ontario had always been a strong pillar of the country with a lot of agriculture going on here, as well as a lot of companion animals and horses but they wanted to do something a little different. So what they decided to do was obtain funding from Growing Forward 2, provincial and federal funding, and then some funding from OMAFRA, and they contracted the Animal Health Lab in Guelph to improve disease surveillance in Ontario. That sounds very broad, but what they dis, um, they set up four pillars uh, for the program. The overarching program is the Disease Surveillance Plan, which is where our funding is obtained for. And that funding period was from 2013 to 2018. And what they were meant to do was determine a good model for improving disease surveillance in Ontario to help Ontario livestock as well as public health and then any animals that are included in the Health of Animals Act. So after they did a kind of a scan and called an environmental survey of what might be out there worldwide, what they actually settled on was a program that had actually been working 
very, very well in Quebec for about 20 years called Rezo. And how it's, uh, it's, work, it's based on a kind of a collaborative surveillance model that brings together experts from that species group or experts who work on that species group. And they get together on a regular basis to discuss problems in that species. And it uses different data sources. So whether so in Quebec, that's uh, the laboratory data as well as sometimes condemnation data and then also surveys of veterinarians. That seemed to fit really well with the needs assessment that was done for Ontario. So that's how the Ontario Animal Health Network came about. We borrowed from Quebec, and it's been a really wonderful partnership to have them as kind of our mentors and big brothers to help us out. And so that's that's where it all started. So in 2014, that's when I was hired, and, and we got... Uh, started on building these collaborative networks. So now we have networks for equine, swine, poultry, bovine, bees, fish, companion animals, small ruminants, and then alternative species too. And then we have a sub-network. It's it's sort of a part A of our poultry network, which revolves around small flock poultry, but it's kind of, it's part of our small flock, or it's part of our poultry network. The mission of Owen is coordinated preparedness, early detection, and response to animal health and welfare issues through sustainable cross-sector networks. And how that plays out, as I mentioned, borrowing from Rezo, is that each of those species groups that we mentioned uh, meets on a regular basis, usually quarterly, and a group of experts, usually somebody from OMAFRA, so the Ontario Ministry of Food and um, Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs, is a lead. And then we have an industry co-lead, so that's often a veterinarian, a private veterinarian, but it can also be an industry person in species such species groups such as bees that don't have veterinarians per se at this current time. And then there's somebody from the laboratory, so the animal health laboratory, and somebody from the veterinary college or from the University of Guelph. And then there's private practitioners or industry partners, depending on the group, usually private practitioners from different representations. So that might be different sectors. So in poultry, that'd be broiler breeders, turkey farming groups, egg farming, that kind of thing. Uh, And in many others, it's geographic distribution. And they get together on a regular basis and they look at uh, data from various sources. And that can vary depending on the network. And all of these networks are just a little bit different. So we have, for many of the groups that involve agriculture, we have a clinical impression survey that we do of veterinarians that's sent out in advance of the call, animal health lab data, which is kind of a a meat and potatoes part of each of the networks, and a big part of why the networks were stationed at the animal health lab. And yeah, so they get together, we do clinical impressions, and then we also have been able to get some really interesting data sources. So things like provincial condemnation data, which is really important an important piece of that, and we've been able to obtain that from OMAFRA, and we'll often have somebody who's an expert in that area sit in with us to give us some insights. so it's not just data that we're looking at, we're able to hopefully interpret that information. So the idea is to get the right people around the table at the right time to be able to provide information and provide a report that's timely and efficient and something that's useful to uh, veterinarians and then also to producers and owners. So there'll be a, there's usually two streams of report um, in most of the networks, a veterinary report and then a producer report as well, a producer-owner report for most of the networks. Wow, that's amazing. And, it's, and it uh, really spiders out. It's, it, it sounds complex, but it, so many coordinated parts, uh, which is part of your role. Yeah, that's part of my role, but it's certainly none of it would would move forward if it wasn't for the experts around the table. It really is about getting the right people there because they really have so much depth of knowledge to provide, which is great. Yeah. 
Veterinarians are often uh, directly associated with private veterinary practices, you know, focused on pets and farm animals. But the true dimensions and contributions of veterinary medicine, as you're pointing out, are really quite broad and becoming increasingly so. And the role of veterinarians has evolved and extends well beyond the care of companion animals and livestock. So can you explain, uh, Melanie, how individual veterinarians have been contributing to OHAN's surveillance efforts? You started that when you were providing your explanation. And also how veterinarians, though, are benefiting uh, from this information and the resources provided by OHAN. Sure. So, yeah, so to talk about how veterinarians are contributing. So, as I mentioned, there's a wide variety of veterinarians who are part of our network, and the idea being that everybody brings a different portion of the answer to the table. So, a private practitioner may feel, oh, and we heard this a lot when we were setting it up, well, I'm just a private practitioner. I don't but I don't, I don't know if I know, I don't know if I'm an expert. And even sometimes our board certified experts would say the same thing. Well, I'm not really an expert. But the thing is, is that you're bringing your lens to it. So you might be like the poultry vet who treats most of the layers in the province. So you're, you, and you come at it from a very different perspective from somebody who might be board certified in pathology or somebody who might be at it from more of a regulatory perspective from the province if they're coming at it from OMAFRA. So it really, I think that's that's the power of it is that it brings all these different lenses and provides a collegial discussion area to really focus on disease and, and animal health. And I think one of the things that really struck me is that in private practice, we often get together in collegial groups and, you know, because we're friends and we're veterinarians and we, we like to kind of hang out together. But and we do talk about we do talk about cases and things that are going on. But at the end, you kind of think, uh, but you're also asking, you know, you're also asking about how's your kids or how, you know, what are you doing for the summer? or You know, I see you've got a cottage or whatever. So you're you're talking about other things. And at the end, I, I know that I always used to feel like in practice, like we'd always say, oh, uh, we should do this more often. I really, it was so great to hear about your cases and all the interesting things that were going on. And this is kind of a, a really dedicated place to talk about those animal health things and also not just to trade stories, but also to really hopefully move things forward. So a big part of what Owen does is we integrate with national surveillance. So there is, um, there's some groups that are really taking off at the moment. So it's a very exciting time in disease surveillance. So nationally, we have the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System. There are also several other things like the Center for Emerging and Zoonotic Disease and then there's the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance Network that are all working on national issues of animal health and sometimes welfare. So a big part of what we do is take stuff that's happening in Ontario and say, okay, so we have this information, we think we have a trend or, you know, we're, you know there's this, this seems to be an issue for us. What can we do differently about this? So what can we actually do to move this issue forward? It's great if you sat around and talked about it and, and shared information. That's one part of it is sharing that information out with veterinarians. But another part is how can we change what we're doing and how can we make things better in the future? We know that we're going to get continued out, outbreaks. Um, that's a fact of the, the diseases are almost always staying ahead or at the same pace as us. There's probably never going to be a time in in history or in you know in the future where we're going to be ahead of every single disease in every single sector so what do we do that's different and how do we try to get ahead of that and how do we try to collaborate with with other areas and other and other sectors and what can we learn from other other sectors and other parts of the country and sometimes what can we learn internationally um, so these are that's sort of what I see as some of the power of Owen and what we can do kind of in the background in the big picture. So veterinarians play a huge role in that because again, having that group of 
uh, experts together is really important because they are often the right people to make those connections. It's just a matter of, you know, okay, we have this problem and we are seeing it all together as one, so now what do we do about it? So we're kind of tapping into the brain trust of these of these guys around the table. The other part is, you know, veterinarians are contributing to the clinical impression surveys, as I mentioned. They're often, they will sometimes send us news articles to put up as well. And then the other part, I guess, is, is really the benefit part, which you had asked about. Um, I don't know that I can really speak to what each individual practitioner is benefiting from it, because some, of course, may be listening to this and may not have known about Owen very much or might see it as a rabies update, for example. But one of the benefits that I think is out there um, and what we're trying to achieve is really providing meaningful tools for better discussions and better decisions on farm and in the exam room. So if you have timely information and you have information that you can make some better decisions with your client, um, whether that's a farmer or whether that's an owner, I think we're better off than if we didn't have that information or if we were thinking you know, oh, well, I got together with my friends a couple of months ago, and I think this might, you know, that was interesting that this guy said, you know, this guy was seeing this problem. It's a way to kind of cohesively bring things together, I think. And that's what we're aiming for. And we're also aiming to be a communication tool. So providing uh, updates on a regular basis through many different outlets. And I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about that further along, but providing uh, different ways to communicate with veterinarians is really important and getting that information to them as fast as possible. Because we know that a quarterly report things often happen faster than that and things are often happening in between those reports. So how do we get that information out as fast as possible and provide you with provide veterinarians and uh, owners and producers with information that they can use immediately? Okay. So uh, just uh, as an aside for a second, in terms of veterinarians being involved, um, is that a finite group that you have, like in terms of your various uh, species hubs, let's call them that, or, you know, those species network groups? Um, do they have X number of veterinarians attached to them, or if someone wanted to join them, can they join those groups, or is it primarily looking at having veterinarians active in the uh, surveying that you do, as well as how they get their information back out through reports? So generally those groups, the veterinarians who are involved, um, it depends on the species network, how they decided that the best way to elect those, those people were. Sometimes they were nominated by the board of directors from their veterinary organization. Sometimes they were elected by their peers. Some of them were self-nominated. It depends on the sector and what they felt was right for them to get the right people around the table because the culture can be super different depending on whatever species you're working on. And some are small. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we might in fish. We only had one one veterinarian who was practicing like full time on fish. So. We really hoped she was going to say, yeah, <laughs> she did, and she's been wonderful. Um, so, yeah, it really depends. But um, the other part, I guess, is that we will sometimes call in uh, other experts and have them do, a, you know, kind of be a guest on the on the network or have them provide their expertise. And sometimes we will have, if there is an issue, we'll involve larger groups. So we'll have, um, you know, we might involve the whole, you know, invite their all of the practitioners to participate either in a survey or in a call if there's an emerging issue or if there's a concern that's happening in the industry when we feel like this you know whenever we feel like this individual this small group isn't doesn't provide enough or we need to gain consensus and really do something to move forward so to me it's a very dynamic thing and it can change over time and I would expect that over time this will evolve and change too we set we set out with a with a specific model but I think what we've seen is that a cookie cutter approach doesn't work so you really have to go with the culture and what's what's going on in each thing and I, I think it's 
it's been wonderful to see the roles that veterinarians have taken in the leadership and also the engagement that they have shown, whether that's taking five minutes to do your survey on a quarterly basis, which is really hugely appreciated because we use those we use that information to really get in get a finger on the pulse of what's going on. But we also use that if we're trying to make the case for moving forward with an issue. Have most veterinarians seen this or geez, we've been noticing for the past three quarters that people have will have been saying this or we've been seeing it on an increased um, basis. So I think we should do a project on this. Or I think we should maybe maybe we should approach a researcher to say this might be a really good project to do, whatever those things might be. Those are really hugely valuable insights. It might feel like it's a bit of a pain to do another survey and it might feel like it isn't, you know, it's a drop in a bucket, but it really does make a huge difference. So in terms of trends and patterns. Yeah. yeah. So just to, just to layer this just to one additional level. So when we're talking about zoonotic disease and infectious diseases and, and members of the public will more easily relate to something like rabies or mm-hmm. Lyme disease or, you know, those sorts of things. And I know there are many others when we're talking uh, food animal in particular. But um, how does OHAN share information about disease with the general public or do you? We do, yep. So we have a, a wide range of communication pathways. So we've talked about the veterinary report and the producer report. Um, the veterinary report is sent out to veterinarians only, and it's and it's posted on our site along with the data, the compiled and collated data, on the password-protected side of our website, because a lot of that is maybe a technical bulletin or it's kind of more technical information that one, probably most producers wouldn't be and members of the public wouldn't be interested in seeing, but sometimes there are sensitive items that we would maybe word a little bit differently than if we were going to um, share that publicly. So that's and so veterinarians across North America can sign up for that, provided that they're licensed, and we can verify that they have a, li- a valid license, as well as uh, registered veterinary technicians in Ontario. Those are the groups that can access that password protected uh, stuff as well as any other resources that we have there. Then the producer report is available publicly and it's it's on the public facing website. It's also uh, sent to producer groups or any other owner groups, uh, that kind of thing, depending on what species we're talking about um, or industry groups. Other ways that we share information it, always immediately, and it, that's part of the value of you know we have the you know we have the quarterly reports, but then the stuff that happens in the interim, we're sharing stuff more immediately via Facebook and Twitter. Uh, so those are two feeds that are always publicly available, and we always keep you know that's any any member of the public can can follow us and they can share and and uh, benefit from those news items that we're sharing. And so we keep that in mind when we're posting that stuff, but it is and it is mainly tailored to agriculture professionals, so veterinarians or producers, but anybody can sign on and receive those things. So rabies updates are shared there weekly for example, but other outbreaks from around North America that wouldn't necessarily make it into our vet report um, because they may or may not impact uh, Ontario specifically, those are, uh, those are shared there as well. We have podcasts, those are uh, for veterinarians, and we also have done some for producers, and we've done some for members of the general public as well. For example, we just did a series with Dr. Scott Weiss and Dr. Adroni Verbruge, from, both from the Ontario Veterinary College, talking about mitigating risk with raw food and homemade diets, mm-hmm. being a fairly major public health concern. And again, that came the reason that we did that podcast series was because veterinarians on their surveys told us that they were seeing a lot of concerns with that 
health concerns for members of the public as well as health concerns for the pets and so we we targeted that because that's that's what people wanted and that's what their concerns were so those are the ways those are some of the ways that we're putting information out there other ways of course that we that are more traditional uh, so each each uh, species group uh, in agriculture mostly has a veterinary listserv so through the veterinary organizations and through um, excellent those those groups have been excellent to partner with us and agree to send information out for us as well as uh, through the CVO we've we've certainly used your CVO list you've been very kind to do that and during major outbreaks um, to get information out there really fast and to try to get try to hit as many people as possible to try to get the crucial information out there does that answer your question yeah that does that's helpful thank you and just to share with anybody who is interested in finding out more about Owen, um, our website is www.oahn.ca, and our podcast, Facebook, and Twitter feeds can be found there, as well as um, a sign-up for a login for veterinarians across North America or registered veterinary technicians in Ontario. And you can also sign up for our newsletter, which is free, and we do send out quarterly uh, a summary of all of the reports. And when you sign up for a login, you will be asked what species you work on, and um, and then we can send you out uh, tailored requests for surveys or just reports if you uh, if you wish to receive that. Thanks, Melanie, for joining me today and sharing insight into this so important work of the Ontario Animal Health Network. You know, the history and the tradition of the veterinary profession uh, has always focused on protecting and improving both animal health and human health, and in many ways, uh, particularly with disease prevention. Your veterinarian is very much a part of your public health team. As I said in the beginning, the College of Veterinarians of Ontario has identified One Health Stewardship as a strategic initiative and is embracing the opportunity to support veterinary initiatives which promote public and animal health and welfare. In achieving this objective, the College recently approved an animal welfare agenda and our work continues on projects on food animal medicine and the prescribing of antimicrobials. So the College looks forward to continuing to champion One Health initiatives and recognize the unique and critical role veterinarians have in public health. And we look forward to sharing more information on how veterinary medicine is connected to public health. Thanks for tuning in.